Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another edition of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 26 uh, of the Jesus Society Podcast, and I'm glad you're here. Um, summer is coming to an end, uh, hopefully, in some places, although my friends in Texas tell me that it is uh, not anywhere near close to the end <laughs> this week. Uh, their uh, their um, temps are up into the hundreds. And uh, I've got a friend who yesterday sent sent a, put a Facebook message out that it was, was 108 where he was. Um, for that reason, I do not regret moving from Texas and moving to Tennessee. <laughs> it's been warm here, but not like that. Uh, we have humid... Uh, humidity, um, but it's not, uh, not, uh, I, I don't know. We have shade too. So I think that offsets a little bit. <laughs> so, um, so we're going to, we're going to be talking today. So you, last week we kind of introduced the, the subject of, uh, freedom and we're, uh, we, we talked about the, um, Jesus encounter with the woman at the well and, um, I think that was a that's a good sort of story to to introduce this. Um, over the next uh, number of weeks, we're going to talk more about this idea of freedom, uh, what it is, why we need it, um, uh, what it looks like if we don't have it, and and most importantly, how to get it. Um, Jesus says in John eight thirty one and thirty two, he says. He says, if you abide in my word, or some translations say, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Free from what? Um, that's a good question, isn't it? Right? Truth will set you free. Free from what? The easiest answer, you know, if you think, if you know anything about Christianity, you'd, you'd be tempted to say, well, he's talking about sin, free from sin. Well, okay, um, the, the truth does sort of set you free from that. There's a little more involved in that. Um, and I think here Jesus has a little more in view. Uh, I think his concept of freedom here is bigger than just forgiveness of sins. Okay, I think Jesus is envisioning a freedom from anything that holds you back from becoming like him, from becoming Christ-like, and thus living the full and abundant life that he wants you to live. Uh, free, to, free to love and to be loved. Right? Uh, free to succeed and free to fail. Free to hurt and free to heal. See, God wants us to be conformed to the image of his son. He tells us that in Romans 8, 29. And Jesus, and I don't know if you've ever thought about Jesus this way or not, but Jesus was the freest person who ever walked this earth. He walked through this world as a child of the creator, living in that blessedness and extending freely that blessedness to everyone everyone around him, spreading sunshine everywhere he went. He didn't need 
to manipulate anyone. He didn't need to extract anything from anyone. Um, So he was free to give and to serve and to love without any expectation of reward or acknowledgement. Now, most of us don't live quite like that, although we want to, right? Um, we feel like, like we, we use people a lot. We manipulate people. Um, and, and I'm going to say more about that later, so I'm not going to jump into all that now. But see, Jesus wants the same for us. He wants us to be free. He wants us to to have the freedom to enjoy the blessings that come from conforming our lives to his and then to function as Christ-like blessings in God's good world. So 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 what is this so if we're going to be free I guess we need to talk about bondage. Okay? So what is what is what does bondage look like? What what is what is uh, what are we in bondage to that we need freed from? Well, let me back up a little bit. In John ten ten, Jesus says, "A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance." Now, you probably heard that verse before. Did you notice that there's two people uh, in that verse? There is there is the, the thief, and for our purposes, that's that's the enemy, that's Satan, that's the devil. Okay, and there's Jesus. The thief wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your life. Jesus wants to give you life, an abundant life, and that. Abundant life is something we all want, right? Um, You'll be hard-pressed to find a church that doesn't talk about um, living the abundant life, right? I think there's even an abundant life study Bible you can buy. Um, But what what is the abundant life? What is that? So typically, when we think about abundance, we think about quantity, right? So if you have an abundance of money, uh, you've got a lot of it. If you have an abundance of firewood, um, which is truly a sign of a wealthy man in my world, <laughs> you have a lot of it. You've got quantity. Okay. So, what does it mean to have an abundant life? Well, is Jesus just is he talking about quantity there? Is he talking about uh, a lot of it, like maybe long life? Uh, maybe he's talking about eternal life, right? Because eternity is a huge quantity of time. <laughs> well, that's not it. Um, and here's where we're hampered a little bit by language and translation. So the word translated abundance in verse 10 um, there is uh, the Greek word parison. And it it's a big word um, with lots of nuance to it. Okay, uh, it, it can mean quantity. Okay, to be fair, but it's much—it's a much bigger word than that. Uh, it also carries the idea of fullness or lavishness. Um, in this context, in John ten ten, um, it's—it carries the the idea of extraordinary, or in other words, something above the ordinary, and that's not a quantity thing, right? It's more of a quality thing. 
So when Jesus says he, he came that we might have life and have it in abundance, uh, he's talking about a quality of life, much more than a quantity of years. He's talking about giving us an extraordinary life. But here's the thing, okay? So I'm talking about that, and you're already, you're already thinking, yeah, man, I want some of that extraordinary life. Here's the thing. Jesus gets to define extraordinary, okay? He gets to define quality. We don't. And that is, that's really, really important because in our, in our brokenness and in our bondage, especially here in America, where we are the wealthiest nation on earth, um, here our version of quality almost invariably comes to include, we, we, just, we just almost can't help it, but think of things like prosperity and success. And those things are not what Jesus is talking about here at all. Um, I don't know if you're aware. You're probably aware. Um, there is a whole stream of, of Christianity uh, preaching what we would call the prosperity gospel, the, the, that Jesus wants us all to be wealthy and prosperous and successful. And probably the, the, the 2020 poster boy for that is Joel Osteen, okay, or Osteen, Osteen. Um, I'm... I'll just say I'm not a fan. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit here and bash him beyond that. But I'm not a fan. He's that's his. That's his. That's his niche, right? But folks, that is a deadly false version of the gospel. And if you wanna, if you wanna see this, like if you wanna know more about how pervasive this is in American culture, there is a documentary that you can watch on uh, on Netflix or Amazon. Uh, it's called. Uh, American Gospel, Christ Alone. Okay, I recommend you watch that. I don't. I don't agree with every single thing that's presented in that in, in, in that video, um, but you will get a clear picture of what gospel looks like in a lot of American big American churches, and it's it's dangerous. Okay, and that's all I'm going to say about that today. Uh, we may we may talk about that more sometime down the road. But prosperity is not what Jesus is talking about here at all when he promises an abundant life. He's, he's talking in kingdom terms. The abundant life is a great life. It's an extraordinary life. But it's not going to be defined through worldly... Uh, it, well, it's not going to be defined by worldly standards and it's not going to be seen through worldly eyes. It's going to be defined by kingdom standards and seen through kingdom eyes. Okay? The, the, but the point here in this is that Jesus really does want to make our lives better here, okay, uh, um, substantially better. And I'll, and I'll say it again, Christianity is not just about getting a get-out-of-hell-free card and going to heaven when you die, you know. It's about life here, now. Jesus wants to make your life better now. Not just at the end of time when you die, okay? Um, he wants to make your life better, substantially better, unbelievably better. And the reason that that is so hard for us sometimes to, to fully appreciate what that looks like is that most of us are just too trapped in bondage to see where Jesus wants to lead us. That, that bondage blinds us to what good really is. And let me, let me say a, a word here about brokenness 
versus bondage. Uh, we use the term broken a lot. I think we need to be careful with that word. Um, certainly, we can be brokenhearted. Um, certainly, we can have a broken spirit. You know, Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, A joyful heart makes a face cheerful, but a sad heart produces a broken spirit. So you can have a broken spirit. You can have a broken heart. But thinking of yourself as broken in the sense of being useless or worthless or or something to be tossed aside into the trash can, that is never how Scripture desfi- describes us. Okay? Um, you are precious to God, right? You're worthy of redemption. You're worthy of healing. You're worthy of freedom. Scripture pictures us in bondage more than brokenness, okay? And maybe the, the clearest place that we, that we can see that is in Romans chapter 7. And, and this is the Apostle Paul talking, right? The Apostle Paul, we look at him and we think, my gosh, I'm not even a strap on his boot. He is, the, you know, authored more books in the New Testament than any other single writer. Um, he's, the, he's the poster child of Christianity in the first century, right? Paul says, listen to what he says. Um, in uh, uh, Romans uh, 7.15, starting in verse 7.15, Paul's talking about his own struggles and his own inability sometimes to live out what his heart believes, okay? So he says, starting in Romans 7.15, he says, I don't understand what I'm doing because I don't practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. A little bit further down, he says, the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to. And then just a, just a, so before I go before I go any further, Paul knew what it's. Does that sound familiar to you? It sounds familiar to me. Like this is this is where I live too. This is this is a normal part of Christian living. All right. The reality that we don't always measure up to what our heart truly wants to be for Christ. All right? That, but that's why a few verses down in verse 24 of Romans 7, Paul says this. He says, what a wretched man I am. You ever felt that way? Right? I have. But then he, then he says this kind of pleading question. He says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Uh, another translation says, who will free me from this body of death? So it is crystal clear that, that Paul, the apostle, sees himself in bondage. That, uh, the, the kind of bondage that needs rescuing, the kind of bondage that cries out for freedom. He was there and so are we. And there's all kinds of bondage that Jesus wants to free him from. Um, bondage related to intimacy. And at the end, I'm going to give you kind of a list of, of specific pieces of this that we're going to deal with over the next couple of weeks here. Um, but, there, but there's bondage issues related to intimacy. You know, we, we crave intimacy. Every single one of us, we, we long to be, to, to be known and, and really know to be intimate with, with somebody else. But real intimacy terrifies us. 
And so we have a tendency a lot of times to, to push it aside, to hide from it, okay? Um, and, and because we want it, but we don't know, but we don't want it, we use people and we manipulate people to, to get it, but not in a healthy way, right? Um, there's there's um, bondage issues related to our, to, to our parenting, the way we've been parented. Um, we want a loving father, but too many of us have had such poor fathers that it's hard not to see God through that kind of lens. And so we have we tend to have an inherent distrust of God just because we have learned through sad, painful experience that fathers can't always be trusted, right? That's that's brokenness, right? And you're going to carry that stuff. You're going to carry that stuff forever. Well, not forever. You can get free from that. Um, the truth is that the enemy has basically two categories of lies that he is constantly trying to tell us. And you can you can look back in the garden and you can see this clearly. One category of lies concerns the identity of God. Okay? Um, God's not good. God's not loving. God's impotent. God doesn't care about you. Things like that. Those are, those are the enemy will always um, attack the character of God in your eyes. He wants you to believe the worst about God. The other category of lies that the enemy whispers into us all the time are lies about our own identity. You're worthless. You're weak. You're inadequate. You're stupid. You're unlovable. You're unattractive. And, and, and it goes on and on and on. My, my word, do we, do we fall prey to those things? We, we've got that stuff rattling around in our head, and that's, those, those are lies of the enemy. Those are the two categories of lies that he is constantly whispering at us. And so we tend to, to live in a quagmire where we don't see anything to love in either ourselves or God. But you see, both those things are lies. God is good and loving, and we are made in his image. And so we're precious. Those lies need to be named as lies whenever we hear them, and, and both of them need to be countered with truth. Resist the devil and he will free, flee from you, James says in James 4, 7. Resist the devil. Well, how do we do that? Well, we resist the devil with truth. And if you don't think, by the way, if you don't think sorting out your own identity is important, Remember that both the Old Testament and the New Testament teach us to love your neighbor as yourself. How are you going to do that if you don't love yourself? You're going to end up treating your neighbor like you think you deserve. What if you didn't, what if you didn't get the love you needed from your father? Well, you're, you're probably living your life um, still trying to impress him um, or, or still trying to just rebel um, and, that, and that's true whether your father's still living or not. In fact, let me tell you a story about that. Honestly, I have lost count of the of the heartbreaking stories that I've run across in in my years of of people that were still struggling with issues related to their father. So let me tell you a story. This is an old story. Um, in the uh, in the early days of, of jazz music, and I don't know if you like jazz music or not, I have come to appreciate jazz music. I didn't always like it, but I've come to really like it. Um, it mostly because my son played in a jazz band in high school, <laughs> and so I 
I listened to a lot of jazz music when he was in high school, and I learned to love it. Um, but in the early days of jazz music in America, so this would be early 20th century, um, there was a jazz musician. Uh, uh, he was a bright star for a brief period. Um, his his name was um, Leon Bismarck Beiderbecke. Everybody called him Bix. Bix Beiderbecke, I think it's Beiderbecke. Might be Beiderbeck. I don't know. I'm going to say Beiderbecke, right? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, it won't be the first time I've been wrong. <laughs> um, but Bix Beiderbecke hit his hit his stride as a jazz musician in about 1924. Now, I first learned about Bix when um, we watched the uh, Ken Burns uh, jazz documentary, which is excellent, by the way. If you if you like American music at all, whether it's jazz or not, you should watch it. It's um, you know all of our music is related in in this country, but you should watch that. So I was watching, I was watching that um, uh, that uh, documentary, and um, they interviewed um, a, a well-known jazz musician today named Max Farber, and they were talking to him about Bix Spiderbecky because he has done some historical work. I guess he knows he knows some things about Bix. And here's what here's what Max said about Bix Beiderbecke. He said, Bix loved jazz, but there are many kinds of love. Joyous love, successful, desperate. For Bix, it was the kind of love that was a gloomy, confused dependency, never fulfilled and thus insatiable. A love that asked more of its object than it can give. I felt that what Bix wanted from music, jazz never truly gave him. Bix, as it turned out, had deep wounds caused by a strained relationship with his father. He, he never lived up to his father's expectations. I suspect he never really felt validated by his father and thus was always unsure of his real value. Uh, there, boy, there's some there's some big truth in that in that sentence there. Well, in later years, all of his letters home told of his accomplishments, which were significant. He was playing at all the best clubs with all the best musicians, world-renowned places and world-renowned people. And his letters carried the air of one who was desperately trying to impress. Respect me. They seemed to be pleading, but his father never yielded. Well, often his letters were sent home with copies of the, of the many records that he recorded. But years later, when Bix returned home to recuperate and rest, he found all of his records piled in the back of a closet. His parents had never even listened to them. Bix's alcoholism shifted into high gear at that point. He checked into a rehab facility and, and managed to stay sober for a while, but he never played jazz with a band again. And he died a few years later, alone in a borrowed apartment during a tremendous case of the DTs, barely 29 years old. The point of that is for most of us, 
the unrelenting combination of life, dysfunctional parents, and a culture driven by performance and power and money and status has produced a huddled mass of people so deeply and hopelessly encumbered by feelings of inadequacy that nearly every move we make in life, every action, every conversation, is a desperate attempt to extract from others a sense of worth and value. And that tendency has become reinforced by long and habitual practice to such an extent that you're probably scarcely even aware of it. In fact, most people would be aghast to learn that it exists in them at all. We got a lot to overcome to become Christ-like. Every single one of us have things in our lives that keep us stuck and that we want to see changed. The good news is that Jesus wants to free us from all of that. So, what's involved in freedom? Well, it has its work in the in it has its roots in the work of Christ against the the principalities and powers. Uh, in John, in First John three verse eight, John tells us that the Son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the devil's works. Well, so what are the devil's works? To keep us in bondage and to pull us away from God. But we don't have to fight him alone. Um, in Ephesians 6.11, Paul tells us we can put on the full armor of God so that you can stand up against the schemes of the devil. Uh, he says in 2 Corinthians 2.11 that we're not ignorant of the devil's schemes. And in James 4.7, the verse we read earlier, James says to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, So we're not powerless in all this. But there's some spiritual warfare to be done if we're really going to find freedom. And by the way, and we've talked about this before, but I need to say it again. When we become Christians, Jesus forgives us of our sins, okay? So it's not that we're not forgiven. If you're a Christian, you're forgiven, you're cleansed, you're clean. But forgiveness isn't the only thing that God's trying to do. Satan wants you back. And as long as we're in this world, he will be trying to pull you away from God. And he'll do that by telling you lies about God and about yourself. And so the best defense is what? A good offense. So the stronger we are in Christ, the less of a foothold the devil will find in our lives. But again, we don't fight this battle alone. We're all wounded and broken and in bondage. And there's there's only one healer. And freedom doesn't come about by effort. Freedom comes about by a healer by a redeemer, and that's Jesus. So there's a, there's a couple of things that we need to do to, to cooperate with Jesus in, in freeing us from Satan's influence. First, we need to, we need to recognize that everything in our, in our world has a spiritual dimension to it. There is nothing that doesn't have a spiritual component to it. Okay, um, Work, recreation, fun, uh, everything Everything has a spiritual component to it. And if we don't realize that, if we don't start seeing everything through, through the lens of, 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 of spirituality, we're going to be vulnerable. So we gotta, we got to understand everything has a spiritual dimension to it. 
The devil knows that. You better believe the devil knows that. And so he'll use all kinds of things that, that seemingly don't have any spiritual thing to them to pull you away. So we've got to start by recognizing that everything has a spiritual dimension to it. Secondly, we need to avoid anything that, that smacks of, of the demonic. Like we, we need to not give Satan any ground, right? Um, there's, there's games we shouldn't play. There's, there's, there's conversations we shouldn't have. There's movies we shouldn't watch right there's like anything that anything that that smacks of the demonic we need to avoid um satan can use those things against us thirdly we need to recognize some of the symptoms of bondage now uh, we're going to we're going to unpack those more um as we go along in this series um so uh, so i'm going to postpone that for a little bit, like we need, but we need to understand what bondage looks like. Okay. Um, fourth, we need to arm ourselves with the spiritual weapons that Paul talks about in Ephesians six eleven and following. The, the the armor of God, the the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of truth. Those the, those all those things. We need to figure out how to arm ourselves with those things. Okay. And then finally. We take our stand against the devil by clinging to Jesus because he's going to win. He is going to win. Now, how does, how does freedom happen? How's, how is God going to help us to, to extract ourselves from bondage? Okay? In Romans 12, 1 through 2, Paul tells the Romans not to be conformed to this world. Okay, Don't don't let the world be your standard. Don't try to be like worldly people and worldly things. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Now, this is, we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. But this is not just education, okay? Um, this is not just study your Bible more. Study your Bible more, okay? Read your Bible more. But this is not just um, if I if I knew more, I'd be free. Not by a long shot. Okay. We we transform our minds by taking on the mind of Christ and learning to see things as He does, learning to think as He does. And we all have we all have strongholds, like mental strongholds, that hold us back from receiving freedom. We've got we've got patterns of of thinking. We've got um, habits, we've got soul ties, things that our things that our soul is just really attached to that we need to learn to detach from, right? Um, and and the and the beauty of all this is, as long as we don't quit, we win. Because we're told in Scripture that that Jesus is faithful, and the work that He begins in us, He will complete. As long as we don't quit, we win. Jesus doesn't want us to wallow in our brokenness and our and our, our sense of our own worthlessness. That's the enemy. And sometimes we get so comfortable with our pain and our bondage and our brokenness that we can start to think it's normal. But Jesus can change us. All he asks for us is cooperation, trust, and yielding. 
See, everything, everything that we access and receive from the kingdom of God comes through faith. And there's a couple of tools that God has given us that we, we tend to run away from uh, pr- pretty hard. One of those tools is repentance. There is, there is power in repentance. What is, what is repentant, repentance? It's, um, the, the idea is, is uh, turning around, changing direction, changing the way you think. Right? That's repentance. It's realizing I'm going, I'm going this way, and this isn't the way I want to go. So I'm going to do an about face. I'm going to, I'm going to be different. I'm going to believe different. I'm going to think different. Okay. Um, the other tool that God has given us that we tend to run away from is confession. Confession is a biblical thing, and I'm not. I'm not necessarily talking about it the way the the, the Roman Catholic Church does. Um, not not necessarily saying you got to go sit with your priest once a week and and uh, and you know lay out all your sins for the week. You need to confess first of all to God. Now God already knows. Okay, God already knows what you're struggling with. He knows where your weaknesses are. He knows all of that. Okay, so you're not informing him because he's not read into to your situation. But there's something freeing just about saying it out loud. Okay? It's also really helpful to find some people that you trust. Okay? Find some people that you trust and, and let them into your life too. Right? That is, those are powerful tools. Powerful tools. If we really want freedom, we're going to pa- practice repentance and we're going to practice confession. Right? They're... they're they're the bullets in our gun, okay? Um, our tendency is to try to hide, to try to cover up, to try to ignore, um, to try to deny all the, you know, all the junk in our lives. So we need to embrace repentance and confession because that gets it out where the sunlight can disinfect it. So there's some, um, there's some big rocks uh, in, in finding freedom. There's some specific issues. There, there's some smaller rocks as well, but we're going to start trying to move the big rocks first, okay? Um, one at a time, starting next week. But I want to kind of let you know what, what they are, or at least what some of them are. Um, the, first, the first big rock that I think we really need to address is, and this is part of freedom, and you, we've, we've talked kind of about this all the way through this series. But the first is learning to relate to God as a loving father and to begin to experience his, his great father heart. Okay? Um, we, we've got to see God for who he is. Um, that's the first step in freedom. Um, we've got to realize that God's on our side, that he wants the best for us, and that his, his love changes us. Okay? So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that next week. Uh, another piece of this is uh, embracing uh, our identity, our new identity in Christ, and letting go of the old. Who are we? Who were we? And who are we now? Like we've got to wrap our we've got to wrap our heads around that. You need to be convinced of who you are in Christ. Okay. 
Uh, we're going to talk about dealing with with thoughts. You know, most of us most of us trust our own thoughts more than anything else in the world. But you know, our thoughts can deceive us. So how do we how do we assess that? How do we begin to 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 deal with the 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 thoughts in our head that are not coming from God? We need to understand what it means to believe. The the what we're going to call the belief cycle. Okay. Um, we're going to talk a lot about forgiveness, right? Some of us are bound up and have been for years because we were hurt. How do we deal with the hurts? And how do we come to a place of forgiveness where we can let all that go, right? Um, I'll probably say this again, but um, forgiveness, is, and you probably heard this, forgiveness is like drinking poison thinking it's going to kill the other guy. We need to get. We need to. We need to forgive. We need to let some of that stuff go—the anger and the resentment and stuff. We need to really understand grace and 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 live a grace-filled existence. Okay. Um, we need to talk about breaking some of the unhealthy connections in our lives. Um, it, it would be easy to just talk about sexual sin because that, that's one of them. But there's a whole bunch more than that, right? There are. There are soul ties that we're that we're linked to, that that just keep us in bondage that we need to get 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 rid of. We're going to talk about pulling down our own idols. We all have idols, folks. We do, and and we need to we need to get rid of them. Okay, we're talk, going to talk about freedom from fear, and then we're probably going to talk about just kind of breaking general sins and, and iniquity. Folks, Jesus' intent for you is that you have a big, full, free, extraordinary life. Free from fear and worry. Free from sin and shame. Free from past hurts and unhealthy connections. His will for your life is goodness. And he has the power to see that come true. We just need to trust him and yield to him as he shepherds us through this life. And we're going to start that next week. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. As always, we'd appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. If you if you enjoy the show, if it's helpful for you, and I hope it's helpful, um, please subscribe. Um, please keep listening, listening, but most importantly, please share it with others. Okay? The the I've said this before, the, the numbers, you know, the tracking and all that stuff that, you know, pumps up your numbers, those are the most meaningless things to me. Um, a lot of people put a lot of stock in, well, how many subscribers do you have? How many downloads? I see all that stuff, but honestly, that's not what I care about. What I care about is that the, the, the people that can be helped from this find it, and you can help that. So if you know... If you know somebody who uh, who needs to be freed, free, and you think maybe this this little series here will help, please just share it with them. It doesn't cost anything, right? Um, please visit our, our Facebook group um, for the Jesus Society podcast, um, and check out our website, um, thejesussociety.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, you are greatly loved.